When it comes to history's greatest leaders, the phrase larger than life gets thrown around a lot. But there is one man who may actually deserve to be called larger than life, Genghis Khan. Over his 21-year rule, he conquers more territory than anyone in history. He travels further than Alexander the Great, lays waste to more cities than Caesar, and kills millions more than Stalin. His nomadic warriors ride like a wave of destruction across Asia, destroying empires and reshaping the map of the world behind them. You would think a man who lived so large would have built an enormous tomb. But Khan wanted exactly the opposite. He commanded his followers to not only bury him in an unmarked grave, but to kill anyone who laid eyes on his funeral procession. Since his death in 1227, the location of Genghis Khan's tomb has been a complete and total unknown. But that may be about to change. A group of researchers recently did something very unorthodox. They asked the public for help. Using satellite images of Mongolia's desolate landscape, more than 10,000 volunteers have been scouring 84,000 images for anomalous formations. One of those images shows a square shape that could be an ancient indicator of a nearby tomb. While there is just one catch, the site is located in an area known as the Forbidden Zone, a holy mountain strictly off-limits to outsiders and tightly guarded by a local tribe. But a team of Mongolian archaeologists is launching an investigation of this new find, and I'm going to attempt to go with them. In some of the most remote wilderness on Earth, are we about to discover the long-lost tomb of Genghis Khan? My name is Josh Gates. With a degree in archaeology and a passion for exploration, my travels have taken me to the ends of the Earth as I investigate the greatest legends in history. This is Expedition Unknown. Mongolia, an empire of empty space, thousands of miles of grass, plains, and mountains, and at its heart, something out of place, a city. My quest to document the search for the tomb of Genghis Khan begins here, in the frontier capital of Ulaanbaatar, or Ulaanbaatar, or UB. Honestly, nobody here can agree on how to pronounce it. One thing people here can agree on is that it's pronounced Chinggis, not Genghis. And so, I land at Chinggis Khan Airport. In the West, our image of Khan is of a warlord. But here, he's not just revered as a hero, he's practically worshipped. His name and formidable mug can be seen on everything from hotels, to vodka, to energy drinks. He's got his own version of the Lincoln Memorial. And if that's not enough, his portrait is embedded on the side of a hill that overlooks the entire city. Ulaanbaatar is kind of a work in progress. It's a traffic jam metropolis where nomads coexist alongside tech entrepreneurs. But once a year, the city nearly doubles in size as Mongolians flock to the capital in the name of Chinggis Khan. This is not a, a festival that, according to legend, was actually started by Chinggis Khan. Khan instituted the event as a way for his armies to train and to celebrate their victories. These days, though, it's less blood sport and more Mario and Luigi, not to mention the Mongolian Justin Bieber. The event is a total spectacle. And in the stalls surrounding the stadium, there's local delicacies and collectibles, and absolutely no rules about the unqualified handling of predatory birds. Josh, how did you lose both of your eyes? Oh, it's a funny story, actually. I was in Mongolia. 
But there's more to Nottam than just celebrating. It's also called the Festival of the Three Games. Archery, wrestling, and horseback riding. Three activities that seem to be imprinted in Mongolian DNA. This is, after all, a country where horses outnumber people 13 to 1. And Mongolians have long been considered the greatest equestrians on Earth. Khan was the first leader to train archers on horseback, and nearly a thousand years later, their aim is still beyond belief. But the centerpiece of Nadam is the wrestling, where the true determination of Mongolian spirit is on full display. The rules of Mongolian wrestling, very simple. The only thing that is allowed to touch the ground are your feet or your hands. Anything else, and you lose. Mm. Body slam. Today, 512 men will wrestle out here to find one champion. It's a lot of guys in underwear. To understand Khan, I need to understand the traditions he inspired, which means I'm going to do something totally stupid. Okay, here we go. Sir, I don't want to hurt you. You hospital. Me to the hospital? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Okay, you ready? Okay. Guy's like a wall. <laughs> I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. <laughs> okay. Okay. Warming up. Guy's like a mountain. Okay, that hurt a little. Once my vision returns, I decide to quit while I'm behind. I give up. He wins. Champion. Oh, God. Tune in next week to see if I'm able to raise my right arm again. As impressive as Nadam is, the largest testament to Khan's enduring legacy is just outside of town, and it's hard to miss. The Sanjin Bulldog Monument. At 130 feet high, this is the largest equestrian statue in the world. So who was this man so revered by his people, yet reviled by others? Filling me in as an expert in Mongolian history, Dr. Batuk Atun Serenin. Genghis Khan ends up controlling this massive empire, but what's his story from an early age? What we know of him comes from a 14th century text called The Secret History of the Mongols. When Genghis Khan was young, a rival tribe killed his father, forcing him and his mother to survive on their own out on the harsh plains. This difficult childhood inspired the young Khan to unify the warring tribes of his native land, giving birth to the country of Mongolia. Over the next two decades, his fearless army thundered a bloody path across the continent to build what would become the largest empire in human history. At its height, the Mongols controlled an area from Japan to Central Europe, and from Siberia to the edge of Arabia. When conquering new territory, Khan notoriously refused to compromise. His message to local rulers was as simple as it was horrifying. Surrender immediately or everyone dies. In fact, he conquered so many nations and fathered so many children that it is now estimated that one in 200 men alive today is a direct descendant of Chinggis Khan. In the West, we think of, of Genghis Khan as a pretty brutal guy, you know, as a, as a warlord. But here, he's this, he's this larger-than-life figure, literally. So the question is, which is he? Is he, is he the good guy or is he the villain? Genghis Khan is a hero. He established the trade routes that connected Asia to Europe, which helped both continents flourish with new knowledge. The Mongol Empire also allowed complete religious freedom, which was unheard of at the time. There's been a lot of talk about Genghis Khan's 
burial place. You know, there's, there's always been this great mystery about where he's buried, where his tomb is. So where do I start? <laughs> the tomb is our greatest mystery. There is an archaeologist working in the West called Miji Doji Inkbayar that is part of a team searching for it. He's the man to talk to. Sounds straightforward enough. Find the archaeologist and perhaps find the most famous lost tomb in history. But nothing in Mongolia is easy, especially when it comes to road trips. I've enlisted the services of Dandy Dash Sambu, an experienced guide and translator. We've put together a convoy of all-terrain vehicles, local drivers, fuel canisters, and enough food to last a week. An hour outside the capital, and we may as well be on another planet. Forget a gas station. It's hard enough to find an actual road out here. But well, once you get outside the city, there is not a lot going on out here, is there? First guy who opens a 7-Eleven out here is going to make a fortune. I've been told that Professor Midgey George is excavating at a site to the west, near the ancient city of Karakorum. And if we don't manage to flip a jeep, we should be able to get there in about nine bumpy hours. The definition of the word road is pretty loose here in Mongolia, Dandy. As soon as your car can go, then it's your road. Yeah, as long as your car can make it, yep. right? You could just choose your own road. Though our road trip started with little trouble, three quarters of the way to Karakorum, Mother Nature decides to amp things up a little. Boy, this rain does not look like it's letting up. After a few minutes, our dirt road looks more like a Mongolian monster truck course. Little slippery in here. It's all fun and games until our friction coefficient hits zero. You got it? Hang on, hang on! I'm driving across Mongolia to meet a prominent archaeologist searching for the lost tomb of Chinggis Khan. And my convoy is struggling to pass through a nasty thunderstorm. Little slippery in here. You got it? Hang on, hang on! There we go, it's fine. We're gonna be fine. Good Lord. Once we're all back facing in the same direction, we start again toward our meeting with Professor Midgey George. Along the way, we're passing by a critical location in the hunt for Chinggis Khan, the now abandoned capital city he founded in the year 1220. This is the city of Karakorum, or what's left of it. Chinggis Khan actually established this city as a supply base and a military outpost. This is also the last place that Chinggis Khan's body was ever seen. After he died somewhere in what is today China, his funeral procession emanated from here. After that, well, that's what everybody's trying to figure out. Even by Mongol standards, Chinggis Khan went to great lengths to ensure that his burial site would remain a secret. According to one legend, his soldiers murdered anyone who witnessed the funeral procession. Another story says a stampede of horses was used to stomp out all signs of the grave. Some even say that an entire river was diverted to flow over the tomb. Thanks to Khan's extraordinary precautions, the pursuit that began with his death in 1227 still continues today. Midji George N. Bayer of Ulaanbaatar State University is one of the archaeologists leading the hunt for Chinggis Khan. I hope to join him. That is, if we can find him. Okay, so Dandy, walk me through it. Where are we headed? Egg River. Egg River. Yep. Lots of 
archaeological diggings are happening there. They say that about 300 tombs has been found. Bronze Age, Stone Age, even the Hunnu era. And the, and the Hunnu era is before the Mongols, right? Yep, before this is, the Mongols. This is before Genghis Khan. Before Genghis Khan, which is the Mongolian ancestors. Right. Yeah. These Hunnu tombs may be the key to finding Chinggis Khan, since his tomb may be based on their general design. We're close to the dig site. Unfortunately, there's a river that threatens to make the last half mile take half a day. That is a big river. In the greatest equestrian nation in the world, getting across a river is simply a matter of borrowing a couple of ponies from a local rancher. All right, let's do it. Big guy on a little horse. Here we go. This seems like a bad idea. Getting deep. I don't swim. You can't swim? It, what are you doing out here on a horse? No road, no ferry, no problem. Now it's getting better. Yeah, just push through it. Now on the right side of the river, we take off like a shot and make for the dig site. Shot! Soon, we arrive at Professor Midgey George's excavation, where he's discovered 300 Hunu tombs that predate Chinggis Khan. So you're a hard man to find. I thought it's too hard. Ah, I just, he, that's his duty. Yeah, it's the job, right? We've arrived in time for a momentous occasion. Professor Midgey George and his team are about to open this ancient tomb. It's ready to clean out and discover it. It's really thrilling. I've never seen a tomb opened before in my life. I've never seen this. Anything I can do to help? Together, we start moving the hundreds of heavy rocks that hide the tomb below. So how is how your feeling? Great. Are you kidding? It's exciting. Really incredibly rare opportunity to be able to open a tomb like this and to see it happen in real time. We keep excavating, driven by the possibility of a find just a little further below our brushes. Oh, 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 oh. Oh. Is this stone? Rock? Bone, yeah? Skull? Yeah? Oh my god. It's a male because of the shape of the eye. It's male. This tomb is 4,000 years old, and the skull that we've uncovered could be a direct ancestor of Chinggis Khan himself. It's a remarkable find. Midgey George explains that most Hunu tombs were originally round and later more square, with the bodies pointed north at prominent locations like this hill. It's these clues that are helping Midgey George as he prepares to travel to the location where he thinks Khan is buried. I ask him about how he discovered the prospective burial site. We used satellite photos to look at a sacred mountain that was important to Genghis Khan. We found a square of shape on the mountain that we think is a temple. I think that temple is a sign that Khan's tomb may be at the summit. There's just one problem. The mountain, known as Burhan Haldun, is considered sacred. While Meiji George has special permission to access the mountain, it is strictly off-limits to outsiders. Is it possible to go there? Is it possible to, to visit the mountain? It is possible, but you're going to need some help. Okay, who do we talk to? The only person who might be able to get you and your crew onto the mountain with us is my colleague, Professor Erdenbatar Dimajal. He and I have been working together to find Khan's tomb. He's very influential. If you want to try, I'm happy to make the introduction. Okay. Okay. How do we find this guy? And just like that, we're back on the muddy Mongolian highway. Our plan is to track northeast to intersect Midgey George's boss, Dr. Erdenbatar. 
From there, if I'm lucky, we'll all push even further to the holy mountain of Burhan Haldun, where Khan might be buried. Dr. Erdin Batar is something of a celebrity in Mongolia for discovering a hoard of Hunu treasure dating back over a thousand years. We arrive to find Mongolia's most famous archaeologist waiting for us by the side of the road. Hello. Hello, General. I'm Josh. Nice to meet you. Hello, Midget George here tells me that um, you are the man to talk to about uh, the Holy Mountain. I know this mountain is sacred, but why is it so restricted? Why is this such a difficult place to visit? Khan believed the mountain was his heavenly protector, and even during his life it was considered a holy place. Many people have theorized that Khan's tomb could be on this mountain. Do you think it could be there? That's the question. There are three very old shrines called Ovo that mark the base, midpoint and summit of the mountain. The satellites have shown at the midpoint is a buried structure that could be a temple and at the peak a strange mound that could be man-made. Our goal is to reach both locations and survey them. With your help we would love to visit the mountain, we would love to see the site. I know that uh, it may not be possible for us to go but we'd love to try. The area is very restricted. It is called the Forbidden Zone. I can't make any promises, but we'll do our best to bring you as far as we can. We'll follow you. Okay, good. Let's do it. I have to say, I am blown away by the hospitality of these guys. But if they can't get me onto the mountain, it's all for nothing. So this Forbidden Zone is completely closed to foreigners? Yeah, especially around the uh, mountain itself. And what, what happens if foreigners go there? Well, first of all, the, it, it's going to be almost impossible to go through the checkpoints. There is a risk to run into locals. Locals? Yeah. And who are the locals that are up here? The tribe from the 13th century who received the order from Genghis Khan itself to guard the mountain. It's the descendants of that tribe? Descendants. And they're still following Genghis Khan's orders? Yep. That's incredible. The Darhad tribe take their job very seriously. By order of Chinggis Khan himself, a nearly 100-square-mile perimeter was closed off around the holy mountain. It is known as the Great Taboo, or the Forbidden Zone. Until 20 years ago, trespassers here were killed on sight. Today, they're merely beaten and then deported. We drive through lonely valleys and past abandoned Soviet-era military barracks. Frankly, it's a bit spooky out here. After hours, we finally arrive at the checkpoint to the Forbidden Zone. Let's hope we all make a good first impression, or this mission is over. Hello. Nice to meet you. This man is a senior member of the Darhad tribe. He is quite literally the gatekeeper here, and his word is law. Professor Erdin Batar will have to plead our case to him. In case you don't speak Mongolian, this is not going well for us. I'm looking at thousands of dollars in non-refundable airfare going up in the gatekeeper's pipe. The gatekeeper hasn't been convinced. He tells us that he wants to consider our request overnight, which means we aren't going anywhere. OK. 
Okay, so the uh, professor is continuing the conversation. Uh, we are not going to make it into the Forbidden Zone tonight. And so the good news is we're being allowed to stay here and to sleep here tonight. We're not being thrown out or beat up, so I'll take that as a positive. Now, time to camp. Oh! I feel like there's a lot of flies here. I mean, a lot. Like, they all, like, congregated in this area. What's on the agenda for tonight? Closing the tent door. <laughs> Be one with the flies. Evan, you're supposed to be helping me. I am. I'm doing a handstand. How is that helping exactly? Is there, is there a manual with this thing? This is like the craziest tent I've ever seen. It's sundown, and though the gatekeeper isn't letting us through his checkpoint... For me? Oh boy. He politely invites us in for a custom that seems to transcend language. A, a smooth. Happy hour. One drink turns to two, which turns to four. The locals even break out their best snuff tobacco. Very nice, thank you. Soon, something unexpected is happening. <laughs> They're warming up to us. <laughs> tell you what, Josh, they love Kentucky bourbon whiskey here. In fact, the more we drink, the happier they are that we're here. It's a Chinggis Khan. The next morning, I'm facing a Mongolian hangover. However, our drinking session has paid off. The gatekeeper is convinced of our good intentions and has agreed to let us into the Forbidden Zone under one condition. He and his grandson insist on coming with us to make sure we don't compromise the sanctity of the site. We're in. Welcome to the Forbidden Zone. I feel like Charlton Heston right now. Are there stories about this mountain having great power? In my knowledge, I heard that the mountain hides itself with the help of the clouds and the fog, if the mountain doesn't want to show itself. Right. Yeah. A place of mystery. Yeah. Also a mystery, how far we're going to be able to travel on this slippery one-track road. Okay, it is getting muddy in here. I mean, you get stuck out here, nobody's coming to get you. One car through, three to go. Here we go. Nice and easy, girl. Oh, he's stuck. He might be able to get out of this. Buddy, go. Okay, probably not now. Nothing an old strap and a few knots can't fix. Slowly, slowly. Slowly, slowly, yeah? Here we go. Slowly. Yeah, yeah. One, two, three. Go, 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 go. Faster than a NASCAR pit crew, we're back on the road. Five hours later, the sky above turns dark. A storm is coming. And we're clearly not making it to the base of the mountain today. Okay, let's get these tents set up. It is raining. Once again, it's time to make camp. It quickly becomes apparent that Mongolians do not screw around when it comes to camping. In the time it takes me to unroll my sleeping bag, they've put up a tent that's nicer than my first apartment. Forget your fancy store-bought REI three-season tent. Mongolian tents have a working fireplace. 
The stove is powered by animal droppings, which might not smell great, but it is warm. In no time at all, the locals whip up a delicious meal. Even the cutlery is homemade. The professor just made these chopsticks. How is it? They're perfect. These guys put my camping skills to shame. So, professor, where do you think Chinggis Khan is buried? I'm not sure. The satellite photos are compelling, but we need to get a closer look. Dmitry George, do you agree? I'm more convinced he's buried at the summit. And what about your grandfather? Where, where do you think that Chinggis Khan is buried? During Chinggis Khan's time, he said it was forbidden to search for any tombs of the kings. Because it might be here, but it's forbidden, it's confidential, secret. This view is shared by many Mongolians. As much as they revere Khan, most are dead set against digging him up if he's found. For this reason, the archaeologists are limited to surveying and using non-invasive methods here. So right now, for example, if he finds the Jingsan's tomb and starts to excavate it, Mr. Hurts is going to cut his throat. And this brings a swift end to the chit-chat portion of our evening. Every morning, we're a little slower getting out of the tents, but we keep going because the last leg of our journey is finally in sight. So you think that's the mountain right there? Yep. After a few more bumpy hours, the convoy slows to a halt. Cars are stopping? It's the end of the road. We're here. Okay. Here we go, boys. At long last, we've arrived at the base of Chinggis Khan's holy mountain, Burhan Haldun. This is the lowest of the three shrines here, known as Ovos. Professor Erdin Batar may be a scientist, but he's also a Mongolian. Before continuing, he pays respect to the mountain and to Khan by making offerings of vodka and mare's milk. He asks the gods for success on our journey. The mountain gets steeper from here, and we're out of roads. But Professor Erdin Batar has called ahead to a local tribesman to arrange horses for our team. The cavalry. We transfer our gear. All right, it's good to go. But the animals seem skittish. Hey! Oh. A sign to the locals that there's something dangerous on the mountain. Professor! Yeah. You okay? Okay. It's a nasty-looking fall, but it'll take more than that to slow down a Mongolian. The professor just gets right back on the horse. Yeah, the cars definitely would not have made it through here. No. We're on our way up to the midpoint of the mountain, where the second shrine awaits us, and where satellite photos recently revealed ancient ruins that could be a marker for Khan's tomb. Very few... Non-Mongolians have made this journey up to this mountain, so I have to say for as, as hard as this trip has been, I'm feeling very lucky right now. Really steep in here and uneven. Horses are slipping all over the place. Pretty rough. Stop. Too muddy and steep in here to ride, so I'm walking through this section. 
Big log here. You got it. After days in cars, on horseback and foot, through checkpoints and shrines, we've made it to the midway point of the mountain. Huge shrine here. We fan out to search the area for signs of the buried structure that was spotted by satellites. So the real challenge up here is that we can't really use any archaeological equipment, can't shovel into the ground. You know, this is a sacred mountain. And so really, other than just moving things around with your hands a little bit, any major excavation, totally forbidden. Josh? Yeah? Come over here, please. What do you got? Well, what'd you find? This is old buildings. Uh, the professor has found the structure. There you can see. That is definitely man-made. Yeah, those are definitely bricks. You can see the seams. So this would have been part of, what do you think, a foundation, a bottom? Well, this one's with wall. So this is part of a wall? That's what came from the roof. Oh, look at that. It's a roof tile. That's uh, ceramic from a roof, yeah? What age do you think this is? 16th century. We're a few hundred years after Genghis Khan then. Yes. So this is, this is history that's right underneath our feet. The remains are likely from some sort of temple. The question is, was this temple built as a place to worship the mountain or as a place to worship Khan? We continue looking for anything else that could connect us to Genghis Khan. Oh, look at this. Come here, come here, come here. Come here. Look at this. Piece of iron, arrow point of some sort. Oh my God. That is a spear point. That is legit. Mitchie George, Dandy, come here. Look at this. Spear? Yeah, here, all in here. It's all trapped inside the, the tree roots. It looks like when this tree fell, uh -huh. it took a bunch of material up with it. So you can see, I didn't want to dig too deep, but there's stuff all here, mm -hmm. and it looks like all down in here as well. Oh, look, there's a big boy. Big boy, look at that. That's cool. These relics are a major find. These are museum-quality ceremonial objects from almost 600 years ago, and they are clear indicators that a significant temple was located here. So what do you think? Why, why is this temple here? Mejidaj confirms that in any other mountains, you wouldn't find any temples in Mongolia. Right. So why does it build here, maybe around here, the actual tomb? How do you tell if the top is a tomb? There is no way to do the excavation or study at the top of the mountain. For anybody? For anybody. The only chance is to photograph the top of the mountain to see if it reveals anything. And hopefully that gives us an answer. As valuable as these pieces are, Professor Midgey George insists that we return the artifacts to where we found them, out of respect for the holy mountain. Now that we've found this temple, the only place to go is up, to the shrine that Midgey George thinks could mark Khan's actual tomb. We prepare to move on to the summit when we get an alert on our satellite phone. Another huge storm is moving towards us. 
If we attempt to climb any further, we risk getting caught in extreme conditions. But the professors aren't willing to turn back now. With less than a six-hour window in which to work, Professor Erdin Batar calls a contact in the Mongolian military. Soon, a helicopter arrives, ready to whisk us to the summit. The professors are going to conduct a high-resolution photographic scan of the summit. Okay, we're headed up to the peak. Here we go. Satellites have detected an unusual formation at the peak, and they hope to construct a topographic model to determine if there's something man-made hidden there. This is the mountain on the right side. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so there's the peak right there. Okay, guys, we're entering the area where the satellite photos were taken. So there's the structure, yeah? Look at that. That looks man-made. I'm about to go where no foreigner is allowed to the top of the holiest mountain in Mongolia, where Chinggis Khan may be buried. So there's the peak, yeah? Whoa. Yeah, that's the stone structure. It definitely doesn't look natural. It looks like, uh, like it's been built up. For his, uh, from his point of view, it's been yeah, built, handmade, human-made. He thinks it's artificial. Yeah. I have to admit, it does look like the Earth has been manipulated here. This could be it. We may very well be looking straight down on Chinggis Khan's secret grave. I'm going to try to circle the peak, take as many images as possible to create a 3D render. We scan the mountain by photographing and filming it in a 360-degree rotation so that a detailed topographic map can be rendered. Okay, we're going to circle the peak one more time. After thoroughly scanning the summit and with weather moving in, we're forced to retreat. So we headed back now. Right now, this is as close as we get. Yes, right now, that's the closest as we get. The chopper turns around, and I say a final goodbye to Burhan Haldun. Back on terra firma, we undertake the long journey to the capital. The trip turns out to be well worth the effort, though, since the scan brings a striking revelation. The data indicates that the strange bump atop the peak is almost certainly not natural. Its shape and structure are likely man-made. Just one month after our expedition, UNESCO declared the Forbidden Zone a protected World Heritage Site. So our trip to the mountain may be the closest look that anyone gets for a long time to come. The journey to find Khan's tomb has quite literally been an uphill battle. I've had to struggle against many elements here in Mongolia, but have been rewarded at every turn. The people here awe me with their hospitality and their resilience to not only survive, but to thrive on these harsh plains. And since the people of Mongolia continue to honor and protect their past, excavation on the mountain is impossible meaning Chinggis Khan could get his dying wish to remain hidden for all of eternity. <laughs>